I'm so excited about this. Yay! Okay. Um, so, whew, I think I'm loud. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Today is a funny day. In a good way? I think so. Okay. Yeah. It feels a little... Uh, Does it feel springtime? of spring or something? Yeah. yeah. Welcome to In the Act, a program on process and the creative life. Creativity does not just start and stop with artists. We all make aesthetic or guiding decisions. Our aim is to talk through the process and investigate how we chose or choose to express ourselves and live creatively. We're talking to people about their lives, and that's the subject of our show. Broadcasting from the studio in Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, I am Erica Hunsinger, and this is In the Act. And today's guest on In the Act is Mel Colstad. Yay! Hello! Woo! I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited you're here. <laughs> um, I was um, compiling, I do, you know, a tiny bit of homework, and I was like, I made a list of, like, lots of things. So I was like, docent, teacher, curator, friend, wife, artist, <laughs> printmaker, artist in miniature, not you in miniature. <laughs> Well, that too, though, <laughs> right? Dog mama, new like writer, um, vintage lover, arts advocate, speaker. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. it, it's so. I love doing all the things. I know, I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, and these are things that I never did before my art career. <sighs> Not really. Yes, and this is like. Um, I wanted to talk about that, and I really, because I think it's so important. Um, I talk a lot on this show about, um, like, that it's not linear, that Correct. our lives, like, whoever you are, wherever you are, you can always shift. If you don't like something, you can stop. That's right. You don't have to, If you, even if you've had a plan, and, like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is who I'm going to be for X, Y, and Z amount of time, and one day, like, you wake up and you're like, you know what, this is been not fitting with who I am as I evolve as a person because we are ever-changing dynamic beings. It is so true. Yeah. I And I love that. Yeah, like totally. It, this this career that we've chosen, you as well, of course, my friend, <laughs> um, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> Which is all it's at once so exciting and so terrifying. Totally. I mean, because we have no one to uh, police ourselves, and that is very freeing. And also, there are days where I just wish someone would tell me what to do. Do you have those days? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll never, ever be a full-time artist because (laughs) I can't police myself in that way. I really need – like, my ideal is to have, like, a part-time job. Um, to have that structure to work within and then um, and have yes. these other outlets and vehicles with the community because I love that. I yeah. love that kind of yeah. work and well, being and present being with, with the it. library, Erica, I mean, Ugh. is there anything better There's not the library? There is There's no not. place better. What does your bumper sticker say? Uh, Libraries save democracy. Ugh. Libraries save democracy. I fully I love that fully believe that. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. And um, you know that I fully support our library, too, which is the Fond du Lac Public Library in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Really beautiful, Um, great library. You were saying I was a curator, and I 
I curate the LinkedIn Divers Gallery, of which you were a part in December of 2021, which I'm thrilled about. Um, I love the fact that it is a free space that anyone can go into Mm -hmm. during open hours and sit or stand or whatever for as long as they want and look at art. Yeah. No questions asked. Some stuff's for sale. Some isn't. I love that. I love the fact that it is a place where anyone can go. And I'm talking about the whole library now. Yeah. Um, how many places like that are left? Not many. There aren't many. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, so I I totally agree with you as far as like, you know, having having that part-time job where you um, are able to, you know, do what you love, but also, you know, have space to think about what you might want to do with your art, but also just... Like that—that that is your job for the time being, and and then you get to do that job, and then you get to come home and create when you get to come home. Right. I love that. Yeah, I do too. And you know, it everybody's life can can look different. Yeah. You know, and create differently. But no I matter love that, what the profession is. Yes, and I love that you said that because that just reiterates the point that there's a space for art. In every person, you don't have to be a full-time artist. Yeah. And that works for so few people. Right. I mean, really. Yeah, right. You have to be a, a multi-potentialite or whatever they call it to have an art career. I know very few people who can just sit in their studio all day long and work, and that's how they make their living. That's, no. What was the word you used? Multi-potentialite is what I've heard. Um, it's this woman, Emily Wapnick, I think, is, uh, she's a speaker. She had a TED Talk, um, and she talks about the fact that she likes doing a bunch of different things, not just art, not just writing. Oh, she yeah. She just loves doing all kinds of things. And right. that's that's what I love, too. Love it. And I do, too. And I think that, um, I think our tendency is to um, have a, have sort of like this monoculture in yeah. some ways of like, this is what do you do? And yes. there's one thing. <laughs> well, it, um, the, even like introduction questions, if you meet somebody, they're like, oh, what do you do? Exactly. Like, well, what do I get paid to do versus what do I do versus what do I enjoy doing? I think there's a whole range of things that us as humans really incorporate can incorporate and have a different sort of level of hierarchy of what do you do, mm-hmm. <laughs> not just job. Well, you and I, and I believe John as well. Hi, John. Uh, are Gen <laughs> Xers, and I think we are the last generation who define themselves by what we do for a living. Oh, I think millennials and Gen Z, yeah, are changing the game yep. for the better. Yeah, where they are purposely doing things they love to do and and make some money, but also um, doing a whole like side gigs and whatever they want to do. Right. It's not just a 40 hour a, a week work week. Right. Like we were taught that's how you do it. And that's right. what you'll do for 45 years the end. Right. And I hear a lot of Gen Xers and baby boomers talk about millennials uh, having like poor work ethic. Oh, wrong. Right? And it's not true. No. It's not true at all. I have never seen that. I I've agree. never seen that. I think that they have a really great idea of what should be a work-life balance. Totally. Yeah. I. You know... If the pandemic taught us anything, it's that we were burned out. 
Oh yeah. And I am talking about myself as well. And I'm I'm lucky. I have a studio yeah. in my house and I was able to stay at home. My husband was able to stay at home during the pandemic. And it just showed us that we were, you know, we, we like doing all the things. <laughs> yeah. But um there's there's a time and point where you have to sort of scale back. And I think that's what these upcoming generations are doing. Yeah. You know, they're 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 actually working 32 hours a week and spending time with friends or pursuing their passions rather than working 80 hours a week like so many of and us getting have the done. same amount of work done. Exactly. Pretty totally. much. Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like stewing on that moment. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. lovely. Um, so with this working uh, topic at hand in mind, would you <laughs> would you be willing to like review and kind of go back to um, how you entered the workplace and how that evolved for you? Because I think it's a pretty interesting story. Sure. Uh, Great. First of all, I can't believe it's been 12 years that I've been doing art full time. Wow. Just blows my mind. Because I had no idea what I was doing when I quit my quote-unquote real job in a newspaper uh, back in 2010. Uh, I saw the handwriting on the wall. I knew that at some very, very soon point, I was going to be let go. Um, and what were you doing at the newspaper at that time? I was a finance clerk. Okay. And, but they also, because they we had just had a massive round of layoffs, I was also all of a sudden taking classified ads and I was <laughs> trying to do payroll while doing classified ads and and right. I love doing all of it but I didn't have time anymore to do it and so everything was suffering because you know I had to be at the front desk and I also had to do this very private work with money yeah you know like payroll <laughs> right you know my desk was or my my uh yeah my desk was facing the front so like people were watching me put in hours and stuff and, yeah you know so that even physically it doesn't make sense no right so i you know i just had to i had to get out of there and it was a very and this is something that you went to school for like you i like, was a communications major so yes okay. i've always worked in media okay in different aspects, mainly advertising. Okay. But when I was at the Press Gazette in Green Bay back in the 90s, um, my boss slash friend Dave saw that I was actually really good with numbers, which is hilarious because I never was um, growing up, <laughs> and put me in the finance department. And Interesting. I okay. loved it. And I loved my time at the reporter in Fond du Lac. Also, I loved it so much. But um, the reporter or the newspaper industry, as you know, is changing and it was yeah. absolutely changing. And I thought, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. Right. Going to lose my cool. Going to lose my um, courage to do this. And so I, my husband, Brian, and I talked it over over the course of one weekend, made, it, made sure it was fast because otherwise I knew I would lose my resolve. Right. And we just decided to do it. I think and, that's such a great um, – thank you for talking about, like, the interim yeah. and that, like, that you that you had these feelings, you came to this decision and talked about it over a weekend. Mm -hmm. Because I think those in-between spaces are really important to investigate because it takes a lot of bravery to um, create, a, create a disequilibrium for yourself yes. in that level of magnitude. Yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. 
Wow. 100%. I am not a risk taker at all. Um, so the fact that this actually happened is a miracle uh, of sorts. And uh, those first couple of years were kind of rough because I had no idea what I was doing at all. But you know what? Uh, it's it's all about the people you meet and get to know and they kind of show you the with. way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Really. It has yes. nothing to do with the skills you have as an artist or um, – you know, the work you put out or, you know, your your productivity, it really has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with who you align yourself with. Huh. And the people that you, you allow to help uh, you, um, the people who you uh, bring into your life who um, you can collaborate with, you can um, bounce ideas off of, and also in turn help them out with things that they may, may need help with. Um, right. No artist is an island. No. And Although we, it, so much of the time art making is like if you're doing traditional or yes. uh, so many of the processes and materials um, are solo. Oh, So you absolutely. feel like you're an yes. island. And I do love that. Alone studio time. I yeah. love it. Um, my sister and I say that we're uh, extroverted introverts. Oh. Because we can talk with anybody, but then we need... Uh, you and I have talked about this. Yes. We can talk with anybody, and we love it. Yeah. And we need our time to ourselves. Right. So the studio Reverb. time is perfect for that. Yeah. But I love being around other artists. I love artist receptions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you talk to theater people, they say, well, the only reason we got into this is for the cast parties. Well, <laughs> of course, is wrong. But yeah. um, the only reason, and it's not true, but I mean, a major, my, a major love of mine about this whole thing is the artist receptions. Yeah. Because you get to talk with people and you get to see people. <laughs> Like, right. like you said, it's it's a solo it's a solo gig most of the time. Right. Um, and um, but I just, you know, and a lot of my friends have worked in co-ops or um like buildings with other artists, things like that. And so they are constantly bouncing ideas off of people. Um, I know you have uh, a great studio with another artist. And right. how wonderful Sarah is that? Sarah Willitson, oh who's wonderful. Totally true. And I love the fact that you have each other to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, and I think artists need that. I do too. I um, I had a studio building in Chicago um, that was all artists and, you know, on breaks during the day, like kind of wander. Yeah. If somebody had their door open, you could yeah. like kind of pop in and say hi to, you know, the ceramicist oh. um, that was making a sculpture of Martin Luther King oh, or, so cool. you know, the guy who is like making furniture on the side and um, the potter upstairs. And I don't know, it's just to have those um, touch points of people is, mm -hmm. is so important. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, it's it's why I love doing the curating because I get to see artists every single month when I switch out the shows or right. when we do the receptions. Um, it's hard during the pandemic for two years or, well, sorry, about a year and a half. We didn't have a reception. Um, yeah. Boy, I missed them. I really did. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that we were able to do yours. And last summer we started doing them right. again. It was just wonderful. And you really actually get to know a lot about the artists and their working and 
their process during the reception, I think. Just hearing the artists talk with other people about their work. Agreed. Because you know the art, you may know the artist one way. You're hearing a whole bunch of other things just in talking with other people. And I think that's just really important. Because yeah, I think and every- it's not like having a party where you're only inviting the people that um, you want to have right. at your party. Right. It's open to the public, right. usually. And so you get a whole host of different people that um, can open up new vistas. Oh, yeah. Or close down some dams. <laughs> like, you right. know, um, whatever uncomfortable or fabulous experiences that really provide an interesting texture for. An evening. And, <laughs> or, oh, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it, And you, of course, have absolutely no idea how that's going to unfold in that two hours right. or however long it is. Right. Um, and But isn't that wonderful? Because yeah. so many surprises can happen. Right. That's, it's just so cool. I just love it. Yeah. And I don't think on this show, I don't think we've talked about communication with others as being a form of, of um, creativity. I... I love hearing how other people work. I love hearing about process. I love hearing about materials that other artists use and how they came about doing what they do. It's just magic to me, really. Because, um, and you know, most of the time it doesn't inform my own work at all. It's not meant to. It's just that you get this sense of community then that you, you know, you really aren't alone and... When you hear other people getting so excited about what they do, how can that not spread to you, right? Yeah, right. The enthusiasm that artists have because we get to do this. How yeah. crazy is it that we get to do this? It's amazing. <laughs> We're so lucky. Yeah. We really are. Well, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. I just started a project where I did 1,000 one-inch collages. Yes. And I'm done. No. I finished yesterday. No way. Ah, yes. yes, I'm so excited. But yeah, so it, it is a lot of hard work. It is a when lot of hard work. When did you begin that? Um, I actually did my first one when I was on a Zoom call with Frank Juarez, who we both know. <laughs> um, and he was doing his International Collage Day Zoom back last May. Okay. When things really still weren't open at all. And so right. he did it virtually. And okay. um, it was in conjunction with a show he had at the St. Kate in Milwaukee. And uh, I thought, well, what a perfect time to start this. Because I had just been asked like maybe two weeks prior to that to have this show. And I had just decided what I was going to do. And at that point, I think I was thinking I was going to do 500. And I'm like, that's not enough. I'm going to do 1,000. <laughs> that's amazing. How many so, do you end up doing a day then? Uh at this past two months, so after Christmas, I knew I had to work every day because at on New Year's Eve, I had 410 done. So I still had to do 590, and I wanted an, a month before I hung the show to just finalize everything, and I have to do that because I – I am not a person who does well under massive amounts of pressure. Mm-hmm. So deadlines are wonderful, but I usually like up that deadline at least a month so that I have time to prepare for the show. And and usually I have a whole bunch of other things in the hopper and then I can get going on those as well. So I, I did finish a month early. Wow. Yeah, because I hang the show 
on March 31st. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, so I, my goal was to be done on February 28th, and that was the day that I was done. Wow. But I was doing 10 a day then, every single day. Um, and that was my goal, and I, I hit that goal, and I'm proud of myself for doing that because life gets in the way. Yeah. You know, there were mornings I had to get up at 6 so that I could take my walk so that I could get going because I knew I had other stuff I had to do. Right. So there were some really long days because I had other th things besides the art that I was doing. Wow. So, yeah. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Deep breath on that one. Yeah. Now, hanging uh, a thousand pieces is going to be really interesting. Oh, my god! Each one is going to be on a little thumbtack. Right. So it's going to look like they're floating, and it's going to be across 61 linear feet. Wow. And then four rows deep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Oh my gosh. People keep keep asking me like why a thousand and I'm like why not? <laughs> Yo, I Oh, welcome back to In the Act. This is, uh, I'm Erica Hunsinger. We are with Mel Colstead. We're talking about the thousand piece collage <laughs> <laughs> that you did, um, that you just completed. Yeah. And the hanging of that. And yes. so is it, so let's set the stage. Is it one large wall? It is three large walls. Okay. Um, it's at the Castecker Gallery in Ripon, which is at Ripon College. And uh, it's this very interesting triangular-shaped gallery oh. in the Rodman Center, which is their, uh, the building on campus where they have all the theater and the fine art and the music and all that. So And art, of course, too. So um, this, this gallery was added, I believe, in the 80s. And... Um, it's it's a very unique gallery, but it's large. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to fill this thing, I better do a whole lot of what I'm going to do. Right. And I work very, very small. So I thought, well, I can't do 200. That would look very weird. Right. Because uh, one of the series I did before this, I did 200 collages. And that was in Fond du Lac at the Thelma Sadoff Center for the Arts. And that worked out beautifully. Um, that was uh, also a linear show where I just – did the collages in a straight line around the gallery, and nice. 200 was perfect. But for this, um, since they're only an inch square. <laughs> an inch square. An inch like square. Like the size of your thumb. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and each one is totally different. Completely different. I didn't do any, like, in a series or anything like that. I just took all of the ephemera that I have. You said I was a vintage ephemera collector. So I took all that. And uh, and I have a very, very large paper collection. And then I use that. And I made collages and stamps and all kinds of things that I used. Wow. Yeah. I also, for the last ooh, about three weeks, um, I – so here, here's where libraries intersect again. Um, about <laughs> 10 years ago, I started working with the Libraries Incubator Project, which was a – it was a graduate studies – project done by two fabulous women at UW-Madison, at Madison, um, uh, Laura Damon-Moore and Erin Batikeffer. And they wanted 
to use the library as an incubator for the arts and for theater and uh, people of all ages, not just kids, um, but how the library could incorporate all of these wonderful arts programs. Fantastic. And I found this, I can't remember how, but I found the website and I was instantly addicted to it, like thinking about all the ways that we can use the library as an incubator for the arts. And one of the ways I thought of because of my own work, I was doing mainly collage at the time, not any printmaking yet, is there's so much paper at the library, yeah. whether it's uh, books being discarded. Uh, and of course, I'm of the age where I remember the due date slips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. For <laughs> and, sure. And you know, like the little library pockets and stuff that yeah. I still love. Um, <laughs> and how can we use this? How can we recycle this paper that we use all the time? Right. So I had the idea to have the librarians start saving all of the things that came back in from returned library books. Oh. And you would not believe the amount of stuff that comes back in return. And it's not just paper. It's all kinds of things. Oh, you mean like like when people return their books? Yes. If they've forgotten a receipt in Correct. there or a photo yes. or their own. Oh. It is amazing. So for some of the things I used for these these 1,000 collages because they were – they were saving me this stuff in 2019 before the pandemic. And I had the box down the basement and I didn't know what I was going to use it for. And I'm like, well, I'm busting it out now because this is the perfect time. Right. Um, I found someone's school ID from New Holstein High School in 1967. Oh, my gosh. Um, I found a whole bunch of like dot matrix computer paper that somebody threw in the return. And sometimes you do find garbage. But I did find like a Hobby Lobby light switch. With a T-Rex on it. So, I mean, so it isn't just paper. Um, I found a bunch of seed packets that I'm totally going to plant because they're time and I want them. Um, but the amount of adorable, like, kid drawings and uh, just beautiful things like that. There were some very poignant things, like poems people had written to loved ones. And, oh, my God, it, it's, it's so rich with just humanity. Yeah. And I loved using that kind of stuff. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah. I it love was, that that's like imbued into the, the yes. work. And if it's only an inch square, how are you I, in the making of it? So now we're like, we're, we've gathered. Mm -hmm. How do you make those decisions? How are uh, you making those decisions when it's such a small little area? You have to be very, you have to edit. Yes, totally edit. Um, I start usually with a, a background of vintage paper okay. or these uh, gel prints, which you know very well what those are because you're so good at them. Um, it's basically a silicone plate where you just make these abstracts um, on the silicone plate. And I love using those as my background. So I did painted. that. Painted. Painted. So yes. You thank you with acrylic paint. Acrylic paint. And yes. And you print off of it with paper. Correct. Okay. And that paper is what I use a lot for the background. Gotcha. And uh, so there's that. And that's a great basis because then you're starting to see connections with color. Yeah. Um, I, I did there, one of the things in the, in the detritus uh, box from the library was word. a Timber Rattlers ticket <laughs> with a baseball player on it. Um, so you make connections. So I had this paper, this vintage paper that actually had 
like little tiny boxes in it where somebody was obviously keeping score of baseball games because it has like RBIs and things like that and that you could fill in. So I used that as my background and then this Timber Rattlers baseball player on the top. So like you said, because it's only an inch square, you can't put a lot of things in because... Right. And I also put, I literally put on my other glasses. Uh, I put on my magnifying glasses. They're six times magnified. And when I put those on, I see the world completely differently because, you know, that one inch becomes about like like a a much bigger canvas in those glasses. Sure. So then you're able to see scaling and things a lot easier too. So Are those specialty tool glasses that you need to buy or can you just go? I got them on Amazon. Yeah. they're wow. readers, and I got a. I, I'm I'm kind of a, if this word is okay, I'm kind of a weirdo, in the fact that I really love color coordinating. So today, for example, the readers <laughs> I would put on would be my chocolate brown readers because it would complement the outfit. <laughs> I, love I have that. I have like gray ones, red ones, and it and they came in a pack of six. So I'm like, for like fifteen bucks, so I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Perfect. So now oh, I yeah. get to color coordinate. Oh, my gosh. I love that. <laughs> I mean, what, there is like a you're only as good as your tools. Right. Um, which I, you know, almost agree with. Yes. So, um, I mean, alter your tools and, you know, play around with things. But you need yeah. good tools. It's yes. Really... And I had these this incredible, cheap, cheap, cheap pair of very, very tiny, very, very sharp scissors that I used. I think they're sewing scissors. Oh, But it was okay. perfect for cutting out these very, 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 very small pieces of paper. Aren't there like scissors for a German cutting mm-hmm. out thing that starts with Sharon G or something? I believe, is some, or something right. like okay. that. Um, yeah. oh, the brand name is, uh, oh, darn it. I have some. Yeah. But they're so curious. precious to me because my sister gave them to me. Oh. I didn't use those. Right. Of course. Right. Don't use them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I bought, I, I swear they were like a dollar. Yeah. And they lasted me through all 1,000. Wow. I went through also, I think, three X-Acto knife blades. That's what I was going to ask. So uh, an X-Acto knife is really important. Oh, absolutely. And a really, really sharp one. Yes. And you then have to have a sharp blade. For if you're, are you gluing them on? I did. I used glue sticks. Glue because sticks. they're so easy. The glue sticks are so easy in this okay. case. They were perfect. And then um, do you put something on top of that to seal it? I, I might, yeah. um, but... So the project is is something I've never done before. And and let me tell you why I may not seal them, because they're not real precious. Um, they yeah. are, because there's a thousand of them, I couldn't be precious with them. I couldn't right. spend an hour on each or I would still be doing them. Right. About three months from now, I'd still be doing them. I'm so glad to walk through this. Yes. This is interesting. Yeah. So Rippin, uh, because they asked me to do this, uh, it is a paid gig. Um, a lot of times when you do shows for universities, you do get a stipend, which yep. is wonderful. Yep. Because they're doing this, they allow me to not be so precious with the work. Right. Um, I am giving them a set of 10 prints as their purchase award, which is something that will go on their wall eventually. And those are prints that I'm doing. But as far as the collages go, um, they are going to be for sale for 10 bucks a piece. Yeah. 10 American dollars. I can do this because they're paying me. Right. There's no way I could do this otherwise, right? Right, right. Um, and all that money is going to their scholarship fund. Right. Wow. So my goal is to sell all 1000 because then they'll get $10,000 for that scholarship fund. Wow. Which is I a semester. That. 
for somebody. Or if they want to break it up, they can, you know, like do 500, a lot of $500 scholarships for right. people. Yeah. And I would love to be a part of that. Yeah. I would love to make that happen. Right. Um, you know, college is out of reach for a lot of people. And if I can help in any way, I would love to do that. Absolutely. So um, I'm very honored that I'm able to do it. And, um, but because they're 10 bucks a piece, I figure like, and I did my best on every single one of these. I didn't, I didn't go through it halfway at all. But if I don't seal them, I figure like, you know, it's 10 bucks. Right. <laughs> And I glued them down, you know, really well. Yeah. Um, my initial thought was, oh, I'm going to do encaustic. No, I would still be doing them. There's, yeah. There's no way. Uh-uh. Um, I, I really had to be realistic about the time. Right. <laughs> well, thanks for walking through that. Sure. What uh, – and this so – but miniatures now is really where your focus and yeah. highlight is. It wasn't always that way. Ooh. And – you were inspired by vintage things when you were a child mm -hmm. as well I, as, yeah. I was a total nerd and I would actually use my allowance slash babysitting money to buy old labels and things. Old labels? <laughs> yes. Like clothes labels and labels for on mailing units? And so stuff? there was, so I grew up in Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin, suburb of Green Bay, and we had Bay Park Square, which is like the a very nice mall. And every once in a while, they'd have antique fairs there. So in the fall of 82, I was 14. <laughs> I went with my friend Michelle to this antique fair, and I think she was bored, senseless. Um, <laughs> but I found these Diamond Ink labels. And Diamond Ink was a Milwaukee company. I think they were only around until like 1930. Wow. But they had the most beautiful Labels. Just look up Diamond Ink sometime on Google. Like, just Google it. Okay. And they are absolutely, they were lithographed, absolutely gorgeous. And I was mesmerized by these. Wow. And I think I spent like $3 on one. Now you can get them. You can get a pack of them on eBay for, you know, 10 for a buck. I mean, that's what the internet has done for ephemera. Right. But um, I, I spent that hard-earned money on labels. And I'm sure my parents were like, what is happening here? Like, <laughs> don't you want a record or maybe yeah. a new top? No, I want Because <laughs> these labels are about like within three inches. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they had to fit around an ink bottle. Right. Yeah. So um, I love them so much. And I don't know what happened to those in initial ones, but I found more on the internet like 10 years ago. Huh. So I bought them. Yeah. To relive my childhood. Right. Um, <laughs> And wow. I just kept buying this stuff, but I had no idea I was going to use it for art at all. Yeah. When I was a kid, I just loved how they looked. Interesting. And I always loved old things. Um, so, yeah, that was that was interesting. And, you know, I, I've always loved doing things in miniature. I had a dollhouse. My sister and I had a dollhouse that we would decorate, and that fueled both of our loves of interior design. And, um, you know, I just – I love doing needlepoint on 40-count silk gauze which is like 40 squares to an inch so very very small i love doing it until my eyes wouldn't let me do it anymore right like and wow. i didn't have glasses yet so yeah um but as an artist as you know um it's very tricky to do miniature things because when you're working with a large gallery especially if you're you're in a group show most of the people work large you know like you you've got pieces that are about 
let's say on average, like 12 by 18 inches. Sure. Um, which doesn't seem big, but when you're painting it, it's very large. Right. Um, and I was always told I better start working larger because you're not going to get accepted into p places if you have small work. And I wasn't thinking outside the box yet. So I thought, well, I better start working big. And so I actually was painting, painting canvases. I don't, I'm not a great painter, but I was painting canvases, like hardboard canvases that were two feet square. And I didn't like it. Yeah. I just, I didn't, it what didn't feel right to me. So I thought, well, I'm going to, I've got to find a way to make this work. And so I just started uh, doing prints that were small and thinking, well, if I never get in a show again, I won't. I'll just sell it on my website or whatever. And then started working in series and that worked out amazingly well. Yeah. Because when I started getting solo exhibits, well, then I could do whatever I wanted. Right. If I wanted to do 50 pieces in a small gallery, I could do 50 pieces in a small gallery. Sure. So then I made it work. And during the pandemic, uh, these micro galleries popped up because people weren't able to go. This started in the UK, of course, uh, because they've always loved miniatures. And uh, these people were making like tiny little dioramas and filling it with miniature art and then asking <laughs> other artists to do the same. Right. So you could send it in the mail right. even without customs because they're so tiny. So they're like little dollhouse-sized yeah. uh, galleries yes. that have like miniature art pieces inside. Yeah, so in the, Crazy good. in the summer and early fall of 2021, last year, I was in two micro-gallery shows. I had solo exhibits in both. <laughs> One so was great. my friend Elaine Luther, who lives in Chicago, uh, Oak Park. And uh, she was an early adapter of this micro-gallery. And the other was Emily Ronestrom, who is an artist in Nina, okay. who is using her childhood dollhouse. I, I love, I love it. It's I love it. It's so amazing. I mean, both, uh, well, em Elaine, um, she she has, I believe, 12 galleries now. I don't know how she keeps track. Wow. And she's got artists in all of them. Wow. Emily is just focusing on the one. <laughs> it's called the Nicholas Quarry Gallery. Elaine's main gallery is called the Angelica Kaufman Gallery. Um, but those were so much fun to do. Oh, my And gosh. that's when I'm like, okay, there is a market for this. Um, I did sell some work in, in both. And I'll be darned if, uh, you know, people loved it. So yeah. now I'm just doing what I want to do. Oh my God, are we at that time already? Holy yeah. smokes. Am I just talking too much? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> like the good podcasts I listen to are the ones where they talk about themselves as well as the guests. It's got to be a convo. Right. Right? Yeah. Welcome back to In the Act. I'm Erica Hunsinger. We're here with Mel Colstead uh, from the studios at... Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And we we're talking about the fact that, you know, even within this process of this quote unquote interview conversation podcast thing, that it's important for the host to share a tiny bit as well. Absolutely. Because it becomes relational. Yeah. As opposed to I'm a therapist <laughs> <laughs> or I'm the the host that is a blank sl slate. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I think a lot of people do really enjoy those types as well. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, but I'm trying to think of Terry Gross at the moment, actually, and what 
you know, she might say like, I read this mm -hmm. or I um, stumbled upon this, but um, I'm, I'm not sure I know a lot about Terry Gross though. Well, and those, those interviewers who are journalists, yeah, it's going to be real hard because you can't, as a journalist, you're taught that it's, it's absolutely verboten to put yourself into the story. Right. Or also even as a, a writer, mm -hmm. um, you can't do that. Right. Uh, so it's very hard for people. But I love learning about people. And so if, if I'm being interviewed, I'm going to ask. Right. Or if, if I know you, like, it's so cool that I know you so that I can say, you know, I can incorporate things that I know about you into this conversation. It's right. a convo. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you're talking about collage, you're talking about people, it's the same, you're talking about the same sort of process, just in different media, yeah. <laughs> all across of, of this conversation, mm -hmm. whether it's like drawing people together in, and in conversation and collections, yeah, collections. Uh, collecting of, of stories and conversations, collecting paper and ephemera, collecting labels, um, um, but it's like collecting and connecting. Yes. You know, Ooh, and let's that call it that. <laughs> You're going to call That's the wow. name of this one. Collecting I'm so, and connecting. I'm so against like alliteration, <laughs> but I just totally made one. Collecting oh, it's, and connecting. It's, it's too yeah. perfect. Erica. Right. I'm sorry. We got to use it. <laughs> CNC. Um, you know, but that, that applies to like how you do collages, but it's also then this like full circle of, I love the fact that your creative output you know, you're getting paid um, to to fill this space with pieces that you've been inspired to create in this um, very dedicated, long process, but having these sort of immediate mm -hmm. responses oh, to yeah. these little, because they're one inch by one inch collages, and then having the sale of those then fold into scholarships for others. Like there's yeah. just this beautiful relationship that you have with self and the world in mm. this cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I it, it's very, very important that I give back. Yeah. Very. Um, I have done it for nearly every nonprofit that if, if I can't do it with money, I've done it in kind or, uh, you know, through commissions or whatever. Um, and sometimes in perpetuity, uh, I will do commissions. If, if a place uh, gives me a solo exhibit, I will give them a percentage of that work that sells, even if it's just off my website, in perpetuity. Because when you, when you are a printmaker, which is my other part of my job, um, you can do that. You can make prints of things. It's not just one. Oh, so, right. um for example, let, let's go back to the collage for a second. Yeah, let's so do it. when um, the show is over, if all thousand aren't gone, I'm going to take what you know what's left back home with me. And what I normally do with these one inch collages, and I started doing this about two years ago, I take them and I mount them onto mat board, which was generously donated to me by a lovely friend of mine in the framing industry. Um, so again, she's giving to me. I have to give back. Right. I don't feel right not doing that. So right. um, a proce proceeds, like 25% of the proceeds of those framed piece, those one-inch frame pieces I'm going to do is going right back to Ripon College. Right. As wow. long as I have those thousand, until they are gone, they will be getting checks from me. Wow. Because 
I mean, this was just one of the most, and, and every time I do a show, I say this because it's true. It has been an extraordinary experience. Right. Every time I get to do, like I had a show at Art Start Rhinelander last March. In fact, it was a year ago today that I hung that show. It was like 4,000 below zero. <laughs> that day it was so cold. Yeah. Um, so what a difference a year makes. But and we were still. It was very scary. It was very still very weird. Um, nobody was actually able to see that show in person. But yeah. they did a beautiful job with the three sixty cameras and all that. Um, and that was about the post office. Another place like the library that I'm such a fan of. Huge. Love the post office. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and that was such a beautiful experience. I spent the entire winter creating that show. Right. So, um, you know, if I feel like if I'm, I'm having that much fun, there's something wrong. I don't know if it's a Presbyterian thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I got to get back. Yeah, can't just well, be fun. you know, and I love. Okay, so when you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, when you, whenever you post something, there, it it starts out with yay, <laughs> <laughs> and that is no, that's not BS. No, it's not. Um, that but, is that is absolutely how I feel. Absolutely, I'm like, I can't it comes be- across. I can't believe this. Yeah, I still. It's 12 years later. I still can't believe it. Yeah, and it gets better every single year. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that you are tuned in to the generosity of others and then in oh. turn provide generosity for others. Where would I be without the generosity of others? Right. All that vintage ephemera I have. And getting back oh, to, God. yeah, exactly. That's and getting from back people. to like that artists are not an island. Yeah. You know, there's so many times where we, we think we have to come up with the thing that's different from everybody else. Yeah. We feel isolated. We feel um, as if no one cares, oh, but yet you've gotten like, yeah, the mat board from a friend, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, um, I mean, I I think about my carpenter. I am in, in absolute awe mm-hmm. and thankfulness mm-hmm. for my carpenter, Ted Themey. Oh, <laughs> because um, I remember when I was uh, I was I had a show up and a friend of mine, Byron Jin, like tapped me on the shoulder pretty much was just like you know you're a good painter Erica but you're not a craftsman <laughs> oh because I was oh putting my. together my own work <gasps> and <laughs> frankly it looked it didn't look very good mm-hmm. I, I it's not my strength well and everybody has a strength and I don't love doing it right right and I think that's another part of what you're talking about oh, is yeah. like move towards what you love right support and be generous with what you have and allow for um, people to engage with you in ways and you engage with them that feel generous as well. Oh, like absolutely. these love, love, man. Yeah, right on. <laughs> right? It's all about that. Yeah. And and I think artists understand other artists. Or I, let me even make that broader. Creatives understand other creatives. Yeah. And how do you define that? How do you find creativity or creative? Anytime you are putting something into this world that didn't exist before, whether it's a piece of woodworking or a play you wrote, piece of music you wrote, um, uh, a podcast, for example, where you're talking and talking about ideas, which are the most beautiful words in any language. Um, You're not talking about things. You're not talking about people. You're talking about ideas. Um, And that just fuels creativity. Right. Right. Um, right. And art, of course, you know, yeah. uh, movies, whatever. Anytime it didn't exist before and now it's there, you are a creative. 
okay, I've, I've, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot for this too then. So I agree with you. How do you talk to people when they say, I am not creative? I tell them they're wrong. I do too. <laughs> I flat out say you're wrong. Yeah. What'd you make for dinner last night? Right. Did you just throw some stuff together? If so, you are a creative. Exactly. If you took some stuff in your fridge that was leftovers and you made it into something new, boom, creative. Right. How and you put on your clothes today, It's you're creating a new outfit for yourself correct. based on yes. the, the canvas of yourself. Yes. To your hair, you know. Matching a scent with your outfit because you think it might go together. Creative. Yeah. Right. Um, and people, we have been told our entire lives that unless you're a painter or a sculptor, you are not an artist. How yes. many times have you and I heard that phrase? Oh, I can't even draw a stick figure. A thousand times totally. a thousand. Yeah. Um, my friend Pat Filzen, who uh, is one of my favorite people in the universe because she's just, she just puts it out there. She is very no nonsense. And I said something like, well, you know, I can't paint. She goes, so what? Right. She goes, I'm a fiber artist. I don't paint either. Right. So what? And she says, so what all the time about things? Like when people say, oh, I can't. She's like, so what? <laughs> I kind of like that. That's my favorite thing in the world because yeah. she's just so no nonsense about it. Like stop with the negativity and do what you want to do. Right. And I think so much about creativity is about play. Oh, like it's all play. Right. It's so much of it is. And yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be um, fun play. It can right. be like experimentation play yeah. where you're, you know, yeah. Okay. Let's let's throw it back at you. Um, when <laughs> you took my monoprint class, and that was like seven years ago already, which blows my mind. With Michelle Jorgensen. Yes. Another fabulous um, teacher, bought... artist, amazing person. Oh, my God. She's so good. She... Uh, so the two she of you bought were... me that for my birthday. She oh. bought me that class so that we could of go together. Of course she did. Because she's awesome. And that's how I met you, I think, right? It was like the second time we had met. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I totally forgot about that because I feel like I've known you for like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but you're I could I could tell how much fun you were having that day. Oh my gosh. And the the output and the productivity you had was impressive, but what was even more impressive were was what you were doing and the color palette you were using. I was like I was a little bit jealous, actually, because I was like, oh, those colors together. Oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> I mean, just, it, it was so great. You provide the vehicle. And I hadn't done printmaking since I was in college. Oh, it was so fun. It was the most top joyous experiences that I've had in, you know, in my life. Wow. It really was. That's so I awesome. I loved that day. I think about it often. Oh, um, I love that day, too. And using, like, Tyvek as a... Uh, a, like a tool within mm -hmm. that, using the brayers, using different viscous materials, yeah. layering, and, you know, it was such a wonderful thing to bond with people I loved. Yeah. Um, bond with a new practice. So it was like experimenting and exploration. It's like discovery. Yep. So in some ways it's like, um, finding a new trail in the woods and like coming upon like a rock and underneath the rock, there's this cool moss and under the moss, there's a tiny little, you know, <laughs> ant who's playing with a, a worm. I don't know. Yeah. You know, just like these, that's what it felt like. There's these unearthing. levels unearthing, unearthing. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, the enthusiasm you had that day 
fueled me. And the things I saw you doing, I was like, oh, and you absolutely inspired me. Oh. That was the one of the best teaching days I've ever had. Me too. Yeah. I mean, learning or yeah. whatever. <laughs> it was just so fun. Oh. Um, so uh, that was back in my old house. And we were down the basement, and I thought two tables would be enough. It was not. We had the entire floor papered, and then we actually had to bring it on into the uh, spare bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because so, they were drying. Yeah. That was hilarious. I am. I think you did 100 that day. I probably did. Mm-hmm. In like that was three amazing. hours, I think. Yes. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> I, am, I am a fast, prolific worker. That was super, <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah. And that everybody has their own process and everything. Yeah. And that, you know, whether it's intentional art making, like I'm intentionally being creative or, you know, making art, right? Like that intent. Yeah. Or if it's like I'm intentionally making this pie or this cake or this recipe that is never the same. No, never. Because it's can a different try day. and make the same thing again, but it's never exactly the nope. same as bakers and cooks know. Absolutely. Um, and even as a craftsman, I think, you know, the temperature, if you're laying bricks, the temperature oh, yeah. is going to make a difference on how you're putting those yeah. bricks down. And, you know, that. So I'm, I'm trying to tease through the difference between like intentional creativity and creativity, but that it's all of the same. Uh, feeling state, mm-hmm. I think, in some way. And like you're, you said that if it hasn't been made before and you're putting it out in the world, that's creation. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And there's, we, if if you want to uh, take the negative things that are happening in our world right now, I mean, any point in history, you could do that. There's sure. there's a zillion things, and a and lot right now they seem. Horrifically scary. Yes, but um, and and I'm I'll, I'll be one of them to say you know it, it's hard to watch the news, but I don't want to dig my head in the sand. Right, artists and and strife. <laughs> it's a hand in hand combo because how do you work through that? You make art. Yes, and uh, it's a way to ease that suffering or or ill feeling that you have, nervousness, anxiety, depression, any of those things. Um, Because creativity is the joy that brings itself back into that, right? Right. Like, it's how we sort of balance ourselves. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, my, I talked to my mom, my mom wrote about creativity. And she talked about the exposing in physical form, something that's been inside that's been hurtful oh, or boy. hard. Wow. To have it outside of yourself mm-hmm. is is so much – I'm not even sure it could account for a, a whole bunch of things. Yeah. But the fact that it's just outside of yourself to then look at, deal with, feel, yeah. think about differently mm-hmm. – um, is it's, it's incredible. Is it can be life changing, at least moment changing. Well, there's a whole subset of of career now that you can do called art therapy. Um, there is actually a major at Marion University that is strictly art therapy. Do you know I'm a I have a master's in art therapy. I did not know this. <laughs> how did I not know this, Erica? How did I not know this? Oh, no, I snorted. Darn it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm so glad you did, actually. I didn't know this. Yeah. I have a master's in art therapy. That from is the incredible. School of the I love it. Chicago. Love it. Yeah. Amazing. It's an amazing field. Not surprised, actually, because yeah. <laughs> you're, you're so perfect at that. I mean, like, it's... Of course you do. It kind of all um, folds in together. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, so you, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know how important it is. <laughs> what am I talking about? We can preach about? together because it's conversation. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I, you know, I, I, what, what, what more can I talk about? I mean, like, I just... I like I said I, I still can't believe that that I'm able to do this on a daily basis. Yeah. And it is a daily practice now, which is something new. Yeah. You know, making time for it. It's huge. Yeah, it is huge. I'm so happy for you too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I just think you're fantastic and amazing. I'm a Thank huge you fan. so much. Glad I just to know I, you. I'm having a blast. I'm so glad. Yeah. And I like bringing other people in with it. Uh, it shows, and Thank it, you. and in, in practice, in time, in review, in in the whole cycle, it's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh I really gosh. appreciate that. Thank I appreciate you. you having me here. Oh my gosh, totally. And we've been trying to do this for a while, but <laughs> yeah. the weather got <laughs> yeah. in the way. It's fine. Oh yeah. And if people want to get a hold of you, uh, that would be uh, melcolsta.com. That's M-E-L-K-O-L-S-T-A-D.com. My husband is Norwegian. <laughs> um, that's why it's an AD. Uh, and uh, th- there you can sign up for my newsletter. We didn't even talk Which about is, that. Yeah, uh, it's um, one from you and one from me. Correct. Where I actually uh, highlight a different artist every week, firstly, and then I put a piece of my own up. But then I also have a meme of the week and a nook of the month and a and uh, art doc of the month, that kind of stuff. It's, so it's fun. It's super fun. I love yeah. doing it. Um, but you can sign up for my newsletter. You can ask me a question. Uh, you can find my uh, email there. Uh, and all, of course, all of my socials like Instagram is at Mel Colstead Art. And um, I'm on Facebook uh, under Mel Colstead Art Happenings. So I'm I'm a bunch of places. And you already did a TED Talk, too, called I Channeling Your Inner Kid for Your Careers. So yeah. there's that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mel, so much mm. for being with us here. Thank you for having with me. me here. This has been here. so great. I love it. In the Act is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.